The following is a presentation of the Premier Dance Network. Hello and welcome back. Thanks for coming to chat. I am your host, Barry Corliss, and you are listening to Pa to Chat Talking Dance on the Premier Dance Network. In this weekly podcast, I candidly offer educational conversations and thoughtful analysis on all things dance. With my vast background as a director, choreographer, instructor, and dancer, I am happy to share my 15 plus years of experience with you, whether you're a professional dancer or just listening in for an insider's look into our fascinating art form. So, put your earbuds in, grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and let's talk dance. Hello there, thank you for joining me for this week's episode of Pod Chat. What is it now? June 23rd? I think it's June 23rd, I need to look at my calendar, at least when this releases. I can't believe that we are already almost done with the month of June. This month has just been flying by, in fact this year has been flying by, so I guess it shouldn't be shocking that <laughs> the month of June is passing so quickly. Uh, the week has been very eventful for me. On Saturday, I premiered a new work with the Chamber Ballet Company Cello Point at the Bershnikov Arts Center in New York City. Uh, the premiere was in a showing. Uh, it'll actually have its stage premiere in their spring 2018 performance, but we got to give it a go for the first time in front of an audience, and it was really well received, which was really exciting for me. Uh, and then the next day, I headed down to Philadelphia to celebrate Pride with my husband and some friends. Then, on Monday, I spent the day playing nurse to my husband after he had uh, nothing major, but he had surgery. Um, so he's on the road to recovery now. And of course, there has been more than a sprinkling of teaching thrown in the middle of all of that. So, it's been a not-so-normal week over here for me. <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing my schedule normalize over the next few weeks. So, if you are curious about my schedule, here is my regular reminder of my class schedule and the programs I'll be working on this summer in the minute you'd like to meet me in the flesh. Um, so I have my Friday Advanced Beginner Ballet classes at 6 p.m. at Broadway Dance Center, as well as a basic ballet class at Broadway Dance Center at 6 p.m. on Sundays. I also will be teaching at Steps on Broadway. I will be teaching uh, Advanced Intermediate Ballet classes Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 2.30 p.m., and that is from the 7th of July until the end of July. I think it's the 31st. Um, I'll also be teaching intermediate contemporary classes on Fridays at 11.30, the last two weeks of July and the first week of August, and then same same on Sundays uh, from 3.30 at 3.30 p.m., and those are advanced intermediate contemporary classes, so same dates. Um, and then if you are a student that's interested in dancing with me, I'll be teaching on Tuesdays and Thursdays at Greenwich Ballet Academy's pre-professional summer program throughout most of the summer. I'm doing a choreographic residency at the Nower Theater, which is in Westchester, Pennsylvania. It's under uh, Nickerson Rossi Dance. Um, and then lastly, I will be choreographing uh, two works at the Uptown Dance Company in Houston, Texas. So I will do two master classes. I think it'll be the last Saturday, but we're still working that out. Uh, ballet and a contemporary master class for the community of... Uh, 
advanced students down there. So if you're interested in taking any of my classes, you can check out the schedules at Broadway Dance Center or on Steps. Um, and if you want any of that other information, you can either visit the organization's websites or you can always contact me at www.barrycorollis.com and I have a contact page that you can send me a message through that. So that's how you can take for me and uh, I hope to see some of your faces. I actually recently met one of my podcast listeners from, I believe, Switzerland. She came and took my advanced intermediate ballet class at Steps and uh, it was really cool <laughs> to have an international listener come and take class for me. So hopefully I will see more of you in class. Remember, as per usual, you just please do let me know that you are a listener. I love to meet you guys. So, all right. This week, I want to talk briefly about the appropriate way to rehearse a work in preparation for performance. And I'm not talking about a short recital or showcase work. I'm talking about a larger established piece that could stand alone as an act or full-length work on the main stage. So typically, these would be professional or pre-professional performances. From my time training at the Kirov Academy of Ballet in Washington, D.C., to the School of American Ballet in New York, to my work as a professional at Houston Ballet and Pacific Northwest Ballet, we generally worked in this way to develop a piece for the stage, uh, the, the way that I'm going to tell you. <laughs> Once I started to freelance, I encountered a variety of, uh, let's call them opinions, on how to properly stage a work uh, or develop a piece of choreography. And while this is my opinion, I can tell you that some ways didn't make sense to me, <laughs> and the way that I'm going to discuss clearly worked most efficiently and safely because I saw it at more organizations than less. When rehearsals are run improperly, you run multiple risks from not finishing the work in time, to poorly staging a work, to injuring dancers, and creating a frustrating and negative mood in the studio. So, if you don't really follow this process, I do urge you to consider adding these practices as a part of your rehearsal process. Um, so, if there are any missing steps in there, or uh, if you have a completely different way of working, um, Maybe just give this a listen. If if you do think that there is a better way, of course, please do send me a message. I'd be curious to, to hear what you do. Um, but I think now we're going to move on, and I'm going to talk to you about the, what I think is the proper way to prepare a work for the stage. Generally, one thing that a lot of people forget is that the homework begins before rehearsal starts. <laughs> there are two types of rehearsal processes, processes, uh, creating a new work and staging uh, a previously existing work. While, while no choreographer or stager is required to know the work they are setting completely inside out, there is a fair amount of work that needs to be done before stepping in the studio with dancers. As a choreographer, there are a few ways to prepare depending on your process. Uh, first off, I feel that a choreographer should know their music inside out and have an idea of the structure of certain parts of the, the work that they're creating. Uh, like For instance, maybe this part is a group section and five minutes in there is a pas de deux. I would think along those lines. They, they don't necessarily need to know what the steps look like, but it's important that they have a general framework before they begin showing steps or diving into their process work to develop material. Um, now, I do know a handful of choreographers. These are usually more postmodern choreographers that they tend to create their work and then layer the music on afterwards. Um, I mean, I'm just going to put it out there. Please don't send me hate messages, but <laughs> I'm not really a fan of that way of creating, but it is definitely uh, it is a 
process that is done. So uh, the way that I'm discussing, or what I'm discussing is really when the process is typically you are creating to the music versus creating the dance and then the music is secondary. Alright, so as for a stager, repetitor, or a ballet master restaging a work, it is pertinent that these individuals spent a great deal of time reviewing previously documented footage of the works, and also if there are any documented notes that are available on the work, uh, they should review those. From there, they should take notes to help expedite the process. I, I can't tell you how many rehearsals I've been in where the first thing a stager does is pull out uh, a television with video to teach the work. I feel that it's okay to consult a video for clarifications, but the stop and start of learning from a video during rehearsal time, it's, it's really wasteful. And it also causes stress as dancers begin interpreting what they see on the video differently. Um, and this can really cause uh, a lot of back and forth and possible disagreements. So if you are a stager, I know we are all very busy and uh, stagers often, even ballet masters and mistresses tend to be in the studio all day long and the last thing they want to do is go home and watch videos but I can tell you one of my favorite 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 uh, ballet masters he she he she I guess I kind of gave it away by saying he first but um, he was so fantastic at reviewing the videos beforehand and we almost never need to consult the videos and it really the process was so simple and smooth and there were rarely ever any issues in the studio and people loved to work with him so a little shout out to Paul Gibson over at Pacific Northwest Ballet. Might as well just put it out there. <laughs> Alrighty, so since I've already started getting into this, generally, once you're in the studio, a work should be piecemeal together. Perhaps teaching 8 to 24 count phrases, then having the dancer show those phrases, and then you can stop and start to refine those phrases. Uh, once you have a general idea of the steps without music, you can start using the music too. Maybe dance a short section a few times with discussion in between for clarification and cleaning, and then you can move on to the next one. By the end of a period of learning, uh, and this is generally if you have a couple of hours to start working on a piece, you may be able to put together a few of those phrases up to a minute or two to give uh, the dancers a chance to feel the fluidity of the piece. I often think of rehearsal like putting a quilt together, taking one piece and sewing it together with another. You also don't necessarily have to sew one square on to the next making two, and then the next making three, and the next making four. You are allowed to sew two squares together, leave those over on, on the table for a couple of uh, minutes or hours, and separately sew two other squares together. And then from there, you can sew those two sets of two squares together to make four. I hope that made sense. It makes sense in my head. It makes sense <laughs> in my notes. But if, if it doesn't, please send me a message for clarification. But you, you don't want to just have a quilt made. It really should be piecemeal together. The idea here is that you don't want to overwhelm the dancers or risk injury by rehearsing too much of the information too fast. You want to make sure that the dancers are retaining, understanding, and more importantly, that they are rehearsing safely. An example of where things could go wrong, if you move too fast and have the dancers execute too much too soon, and let's just say that there is a complicated lift sequence, you run the risk of injuring the dancers if, say, the man hasn't digested all of the material yet, and the woman goes and throws herself at him, and he, he fudges a lift, and something goes wrong, and she ends up on the floor. 
you don't want that to happen generally in rehearsal. It can happen. It's sometimes unavoidable, but this is the best way to prevent things like that. So this is why this part of the rehearsal process is so important and should not be sped through. All right, once you have rehearsed bits and pieces and started to piecemeal them together, you get to the stop and start period of the rehearsal process. In my opinion, this can be the most tedious part of the uh, part of rehearsal or rehearsing a piece. Um, I know it was for me. A lot of the material it's learned, and the dancers and staff are eager to begin running the work. But it's important that this doesn't happen yet. Many works require great stamina, and without it, without this it, this necessary part of the process, there truly is greater risk of dancers injuring themselves. The person at the head of the studio may intend to get through the entire work during these rehearsals, but it is never executed in one fell swoop. They rehearse the work to music from the beginning in, in this, this period, and when they start to see mistakes or have accrued enough notes on musicality, or if they want to fine-tune or alter something, they will stop the music and give those notes. A 20-minute ballet could take hours or even a few days to rehearse like this. But it is so important and beneficial to the dancers. Not only does it build stamina, it also builds confidence and allows for complete digestion of material. The sections may now start to be rehearsed in larger chunks. Perhaps instead of a, a minute, the dancers go for four minutes. Or maybe instead of stopping and starting, you run the entirety of a pas de trois, and then you talk about it. If there are lots of sections that you can really break down the piece. But at this point, I strongly advise against running the whole piece just because you know it. While tedious, this is probably the most important part of the process to getting a work on stage. Now that we have evaluated most of the parts of a work and the dancers have a good idea of what it feels like to dance most sections of a work, it is now finally time to begin running the, the, the piece from the beginning to the end. If it is a one-act work, you can run it from start to stop in rehearsal. And if it's a full-length ballet or an evening-length production, you will typically run one act, give notes, and take a break before moving on to the next act, and so on, so that you get a little break in between each of the acts. These rehearsals are structured to let dancers know what they're in for and to give them a chance to continue building their stamina and confidence. Of course, if absolutely necessary, a ballet master or rehearsal director may choose to interrupt the full run of the piece if something major happens, but these full runs are generally left as is and corrections and discussion about the run are saved for when the, the, the run is actually finished. After per performing these works in the studio, it is up to the person in charge to determine if they still feel the need to run certain sections of the work again after they've already run it. So it's up to whomever is in charge. Alright, so once we have left the studio, there are typically a few types of rehearsals that happen in the theater. And while not always the best idea, some of these options are lost due to timing and or financial constraints of an organization um, that is putting on, on the production. There are obviously technical things that happen before the dancers arrive, but I will leave that out here as they aren't really important to this conversation. So the first thing that should generally happen when entering the theater is to do uh, a spacing rehearsal of the work. It may feel that you are heading back to the piecemeal section of the rehearsal process, but this is mostly just to make sure that the dancers are comfortable and safe moving in a new space, especially because they now lack mirrors to judge where they are moving and you don't want people running into each other. Or if there's new scenery on stage, uh, you want them to get a feel for the different constraints uh, on the stage versus the studio. 
the working lights are usually on on stage, and there may be uh, a great amount of time spent going over the spacing without any music. These spacing rehearsals often include sections or a full run of the work by the end of the rehearsal, so this process actually does move along pretty fast. Next up in the process is the tech rehearsal. Most lighting and scenery cues should have been worked out away from the dancers um, while they were in rehearsal or while they were on break, but sometimes tweaks need to be made when the choreographer, stage, or technical director finally see the product with the dancers on stage. Tech rehearsals are often run like run-throughs, but may still have a start and stop process as the lighting, uh, as a technical director and the lighting uh, designer is figuring out uh, what's going on with the lighting and any lingering space air coordination issues arise. Sometimes, especially if there are multiple casts, dancers may appear in costume for tech, though they likely won't be in full hair and makeup and may still wear leg warmers or other warm-ups, as this is less formal. If there are a lot of casts, sometimes tech rehearsals will also be used as a dress rehearsal for some of the leading dancers, but uh, that's another conversation. Alright, the final and most well-known step of the rehearsal process is the dress rehearsal. Lights, hair, makeup, costumes, live music if you have it, and everything else is utilized in this final rehearsal. It is rare that there are any stops in these rehearsals unless there are really any major issues with the dancers or if any other technical aspects of the show go wrong. Uh, For instance, quick anecdote, uh, back when I was dancing with Houston Ballet, I remember (laughs) I was backstage. I I actually didn't see it, but there was a Christmas tree that caught fire during one of the few dress rehearsals that we had for the nutcracker. <laughs> so I remember just chaos and people yelling over the loudspeakers and everybody running to the stage that wasn't on stage. Um, complete and total chaos. So that was a moment that dress rehearsal was suspended for a period of time. Um, but there are other things, say a dancer slips and falls, uh, or if the orchestra is just playing way too fast, because typically this is the first time that most ballet companies have their first rehearsal with the orchestra. There may also be an invited audience full of donors or special groups uh, to dress or, for dress rehearsals to help promote the production and to give the dancers a feel for performing in front of an audience. Here, there is usually a pause between each work or act of a full length to give notes and to briefly touch on any problem areas before scenery, lighting, marley, or anything else needs to be changed. Also, uh, the dancers, if they are in the next act, they typically have to go and change their costumes as well. Dress rehearsals should almost mimic a performance, but there is still some freedom to assess and address any major catastrophes or for any final fine-tuning that is absolutely necessary. Like I always say, there are many ways to run a rehearsal process, and it may vary or need adjustment based on the needs of an organization. But with my vast experience with major companies, the pickup companies, uh, and working as a union rep for the American Guild of Musical Artists, I can tell you that I personally think that this is the most effective, most efficient, and safest way to run a rehearsal process that starts in the studio and ends up with a, a production on stage. Efficiency and safety should always be the top priorities for money-strapped dance organizations as it keeps both parties' highest interests in mind. So, there you go. If you've ever wondered how the biggest, best companies run rehearsals, this is how it happens. 
if you feel like certain parts of this process are unnecessary, like I said before, I would love to hear from you and why you think it's necessary. I'm, I'm always open to being challenged to expand my idea of how our beautiful dance world functions. So, like I said, feel free to send me a message. Tell me what's up. Tell me what's not up. And I'd love to get, get some feedback. So, with that said, this seems like a great place to end. I hope that you enjoyed this week's episode of Pod the Chat Talking Dance. If there are any topics you'd like to hear me talk about, please feel free to reach out to me via my website contact page at www.barrycorlis.com. Again, that's www.barrykerolis.com. You can also reach out on there if you'd like to become a sponsor for our podcasts or to book master classes in ballet or contemporary technique for choreography or speaking engagements. I hope you enjoyed listening in and talking dance with me. If you enjoyed this chat, please feel free to share, rate, and review our podcast on iTunes. Every bit of extra visibility helps keep these podcasts running. And if this didn't fulfill your dance fix, check out my sister podcast on the premierdancenetwork.com. New hosts from your favorite dance companies are being added monthly. If you want to connect with me to see where I'm choreographing, teaching, and what I'm doing in my everyday life, you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, where my name is B. Corollas, or on Twitter at Bariscos. Also, be sure to subscribe to my blog, Life of a Freelance Dancer, where I have been writing about working as a freelance artist for over five years. I also have two YouTube channels, B. Corollas featuring my choreography, and Choreography featuring my choreographic web series that tells the life-defining stories of professional dancers through revealing interviews and choreography. Thanks for listening in to Pod of Chat. I hope you return next Friday to talk dance with me. And remember to go out and support your local dance scene.